How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Welcome once again, my friend, to Station B-O-B, where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. And of course, I am your host, Dr. Rob. What's going on? So, what's happening? I hope you are doing well, because I'm doing well as well. And I'm just enjoying another beautiful summer day on the east coast of the United States of these Americas. And so today, I think I have another interesting topic for you to uh, chop it up, if you will. And that topic would be child support, the number one cause of financial and emotional death for fathers. Yep, I said it. Child support is the number one cause of financial and emotional death for fathers. Now, what do I mean when I say financial and emotional death? I think it's, that's fair to, it's fair to ask that question. So in regard to the financial death, I mean that the cost of child support, which can be exorbitant, usurious, and just totally out of control in terms of the the uh, 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 rate that can break a father financially, whereby you cannot afford food, you cannot afford to pay your bills, your car note, gas, light, water, your cell phone, cable. You, you can't even entertain your own child when you have him or her every other weekend during your parenting time because the financial burden, if you will, is that huge. It impacts every aspect of your disposable, recreational, whatever you want to call it. That's what child support does brings an adverse impact on the on the salary of of fathers now in regard to the emotional death of a father what do i mean by that well i could go on for weeks about that but for the purposes of this podcast i will try to keep it under 5000 words but with emotional death being such a strong phrase indeed, but you should know emotional death is a real thing. And it may vary for some, 
And then there is that other some, like myself, who know what I'm talking about. For instance, upon receipt of of the court orders you receive from the judges, you know, in family court where you go to resolve the issues and gripes and beefs with your baby mom, if you will. The court orders you receive from these judges can determine how much child support you pay, how and when you can spend time with your own child, what court-ordered program that you would have to pay for, which usually costs in the thousands of dollars that you're mandatorily required to attend in order to address the many issues you have with your baby mama or ex-wife. You know, in the end, they're, they're all the same. And I don't, that's no, no, no. Slap of disrespect on women. I'm just talking about the idea that the drama, the drama between the the ex male and the 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 ex female parent. That's all I'm talking about. So nothing else is meant to shade women. I love women and respect them to the utmost. But it's baby mom drawn for sure. And those court orders can blow your mind, drain your pockets, limit your parenting time. In many cases, there is not much you can do. And the judges know it. And I think in some regards, they abuse their power or authority because there seems to be no readily available recourse for fathers to check these sometime arbitrary and capricious decision making type of judges. <laughs> In addition, since the system, I believe, is is scripted to a large degree in that, you know, these judges go into these cases believing and thinking that they have heard it all before. And perhaps they have heard it all before, but they didn't hear my story, nor did they hear your story. And so... You know, they're they not trying to hear your specific story because it is just more shit they do not want to hear. And to a large degree, in their, their, their minds are already made up. They just, they, they just are there to hear the story and make unfavorable decisions for fathers. Now, am I bashing the judges? Yes. Uh, but I, you know, I respect them. But yes, I'm bashing them in the regard to the idea, and they know it. And, 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 and many fathers across the United States know it, that that system is scripted. And, and fathers, especially new fathers to that process, they have no idea. Because I was one of those fathers where, my own attorney said, you have any trouble, you go to family court and get you'll get your issues resolved. What? <laughs> that does not happen. And so, so when you get these bad decisions, there is an appeal process. Okay? But you can imagine how that works. The judges who review... These decisions more than likely worked in the lower courts where these decisions come from. 
And so it would seem to me that there would be no justice there for a father at the next level or the, you know, the supreme, you know, excuse me, the the appeal court level. There'd be no justice there as well. And so from an emotional aspect, contributing to the emotional death of the father, first you have a parent separated from his child and restricted in most cases to an every other weekend visit that is enforced with strict and unreasonable rules by the baby mother to intentionally turn up the heat of the father's discomfort during their bi-weekly visits with their with their children. And then we don't bother the mothers during the week. They get two whole weeks. We get one and a half whole days. And, and those days are, are even uh, more turbulent because of some of the, the, the activities, if you will, of, of the baby mom. And then the frustration of the father that the, the, the frustration that the father experiences of not being able to do any recreational, entertaining, and snack-eating experiences, you know, that parents like to have with their children due to the fact that all the money or the, you know, the money that <laughs> you're, you're able to do these things with is chewed up by child support. Now, let me just let me just add this. When I talk about child support, I'm not talking about child support as if, you know, our children should not be supported. I am all for that. And I should have mentioned that earlier in the podcast. I I believe in supporting my children and and that any other children who are out there you know, and their their fathers should support them. So just understand that. But what what I'm talking here more is I'm talking about child support, but I'm talking about the ramifications of child support emotionally and financially. That's what I'm really talking about. Because, you know, often the father you know, from an emotional standpoint, has has their child, and they see that the child does not want to go home to the other parent, and then the father ha- the father has to deal with the emotion of that, the emotion of concern fathers have from their uh, concern about what the child's mother will do to to their child, since he or she longs to spend more time, you know, with their respective father. I mean, the emotional roller coaster does not stop there. It is filled with ups, downs, steep hills, steep hills down and steep hills up, crazy curves, and it just never stops, especially if the father has to spend lots of time, lots of money, and lots of emotion in family court losing battles that on paper, you know, on paper, the, the, the paperwork, the documentations many of the fathers have where you would think that these decisions should be decided in favor of the father, but due to the innate, innate bias and un wavering bias at this time the you know uh, of the judges in family court the emotional death is a thing 
Now, let me include in in this discussion as I as I said, I I, I definitely believe in providing financial support of any child of mine. So let's be clear on that. There's no issue with the financial support for my children, as I previously said, or anybody else's children for that matter. But again, what I'm talking about here is what a father can go through in the child support process between the never-ending battles with the baby mom, the games that are played by the mothers, not all, but there is a lot there, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that going around. The denied access to see our child at times when we disagree with the, with the baby mom, the innate, unwavering bias that comes from the judges, whether they be male, female, black, and or white. They all on the same page with their unfavorable decisions aimed at fathers. Now, I know it's it's not appropriate or wise to make such a blanket statement, and I'm sure there are, you know, somewhere out there, there's a, a judge that may take a stand uh, for the right thing instead of the, you know, the appropriate political stance. I get that. And so I, I do not, don't hold me, you know, to the whole 100% that all the judges are bad, but I'll say this. All the damn judges that I had over the years in Bergen County Superior Court, they were all bad. And I must have, I've been in family court so long, I must have seen every judge, you know, in on the roster because they rotate. And believe me, I've seen them all during my time there. And so what I'm talking about here also has been well documented over the years that the judge's behavior in family court is skewed with bias toward the fathers. Now, you know, just to take that a little further, I wanna, I'd wanna, i like to share a little story with you, but I'm going to hold on to that story. I have to let a promo in, and we'll pick up. The discussion on the other side of the promo with the, with the quick story. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you. And back to the show. All right. Welcome back. 
You know, I think about my time spent in family court and my God, it was a an arduous, challenging, emotional and financial uh travesty of justice, if you will. But now when I think back, you know, I can laugh about that. You know, I don't know what I find funny about it, but I think, you know, when we have these tough experiences, you know, sometimes we think about them and how we was so in such a way back then that we didn't feel like laughing. So now I can take a moment just to laugh about that. You know, let's laugh on that. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. And and I and I think um, you know, that I'm gonna give myself a round of applause here for for also overcoming all that I have had to endure in that process. So what I'm doing here today is just kind of sharing with you, you know, I'm not necessarily bashing anybody. I, you know, that's not what I like to do. I'm more of what I call a truth teller, okay? I want to, you know, these are these are lived experiences, um, things observed that, that should not have been happening, that did happen, things experienced that were just not within the realm of reasonability or family court law. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I had to overcome and I'm just going to give it up for myself right now. Because trust me, for many, this subject is no joke. And so, you know, before I stepped aside to let the promo in, I was talking about the the bias toward fathers in family court. And with that said, I just wanted to share a quick story with you to, to show you how far-reaching this, this bias goes with the judges. So a few years back, I was at a, a, a barbecue with family members who, you know, some of my family members are medical doctors, and um, and of course, as doctors, they have friends as judges and lawyers. And so, you know, these judges, doctors and lawyers, we all be together, you know, integrated in, in family events and we drink and we talk. Right. So there was a black female family court judge present, you know, who I knew just seeing her there over the years, not by name, but by association with my cousin who the judge, who this judge is friends with. And I had a brief discussion with the judge regarding her work in family court. Then I told her that I had spent more than a decade in family court in disputes with my ex-wife about trying to spend time with my, with my oldest daughter born from that marriage. And you know what the judge said to me? I could not believe it. The judge, after I'm talking to the judge, you know, just sharing the experience, this experience with her, she said to me, oh, you must be the defendant in family court for mistreating your ex-wife. Now, did you hear what I say? The judge, she doesn't know me from a can of paint, a hole in the wall, a piece of burnt toast. And just out of nowhere, she says that I must be the defendant 
in family court because the, the defendant is the person who usually the divorce is brought against or the you know the person who initiates the claim is the plaintiff and the defendant is the person who responds to the claim you know <clears throat> excuse me criminally or and or in family court so now i was blown away when she said that because here this judge like i said knew nothing about me good or bad and she did not even know i was the plaintiff who is the person as i said who brings the claim initiates the divorce and the marriage i was the plaintiff for good damn reasons due to the turbulence and in my former marriage with the ex-wife. But nevertheless, the judge, without knowing my name, my case, or anything about me, yet she asserted that I was the defendant causing trouble for the ex-wife in family court. That's like, wow. I mean, I was blown away by that. And I think that speaks clearly about the innate bias with these judges in family court that to me, you know, that was the coup de grace, you know, to the, to, to, to my emotional death of a, of a father and, and, you know, in connection to family court with how the judges' minds are already made up as to who the bad guy is. And damn it, I have to tell you. I could do five podcasts on the ex-wife's behavior, but I'm not going there because I'm in a better place, and may God bless her too. And so every now and then, you know, I hear some fathers say that they receive some, you know, a break, some slack from a judge in family court, and I have to tell you, that is the exception to the bias in politics. As a matter of fact, the bias is so prevalent that it is a part of I, it's a part of the political energy of the judges' chambers. Meaning that there is an expectation that that you know, like politically, when the judges work together and they drink coffee and meet at and talk and gossip at the um, the water cooler, there's an expectation that fathers get the short end of the stick, and if it is discovered what I'm saying if you know the judges you know uh find out and they do because these court orders are, are matters of public you know you, you you can access them especially the you know judges being judges what I'm saying is if it comes out that a, a judge provided a, a favorable court order for a father, I mean, you know, a, a significant one, not a little, you know, where you get a little peanut butter with your jelly. I'm talking about a significant court order, okay? So um, that judge could maybe frowned upon by his or her peers. And so that seems to be the way life is in family court. Now, I have read some time ago that the bias is there due to his, the history of men and spousal abuse, you know, that for an extended period of time has gone on check, unchecked by the law in terms of, you know, any legal support for women and consequences for men. So I understand that. 
you know. But it's just kind of strange that you go to court for relief, and it's called family court, but you're made very much as a father to feel like a criminal in family court, and you haven't been charged with anything. You come there on many occasions as the victim, <laughs> okay, of family crime, if you will. But with the new interests in the political realm that, are, that arose in the mid-80s, where society finally started to recognize the struggles of women with domestic violence, you know, the courts have since joined in as another level of support for, you know, an injustice, the injustice of spousal abuse that had, has gone unchecked for far too long. And I don't say that like it's, that system is super duper perfect, you know, in terms of support for women. But what I'm saying, there was a time where women got little or no support for their um, being victims of spousal abuse by their husbands and, and, you know, boyfriends or what have you. So today, child support, which was put into as the standard protocol with much enforcement for deadbeat dads went into effect after the Clinton. And, um, like, let me just check that. Child support has been around for quite some time. I mean, I think going back to maybe, you know, the 1930s and 40s, did, you know, or 50s, child support has been on the books, but it was not enforced. Okay? So let me just be clear about that. I wanted to just make sure that I corrected that statement I just said, um, you know, that child support went into effect after the Clinton administration ended the public welfare system. You know, when he said, we are ending welfare as we know it. That's a famous quote because ending welfare as we know it meant that public welfare, you know, particularly or predominantly that was, you know, uh, provided to black women, single mothers, um, that stopped. And what Clinton was saying is, you know, now in order to get this public service for five years instead of a lifetime, you have to make known the, the, the names of your baby daddies so we can get child support to provide. We can get child support to provide for the child and support the single mother. And so with that, the power had been switched from the fathers to the mothers, and our children now are often weaponized by mothers to hurt the fathers, something I call child porn. I mean, like a pawn, child pawn, I should say. And as such, from an emotional standpoint, there is so much a father experience has experienced since the advent of child support ending welfare as we know it. And the ironic, crazy thing here is it seems that when a father wants to be in the life of his child, the mother does all she can do to prevent that from happening. Whereas on the other hand, fathers that don't give a damn in many cases are allowed to run amok by these mothers and not compelled to pay any child support. I mean, the whole setup is filled with paradoxes and inconsistencies that can drive you crazy. I mean, between the fact that your disposable income 
is disposed of when you pay child support. The NJ child support payment rates are unforgiving, okay? They spare no mercy for a father. Whether you work, do not work, have a physical condition like diabetes, which I have, and you cannot afford your your daily life-dependent medications or the co-payments that may be attached to them, there is no excuse acceptable to the courts if you fail to pay child support. You can and will be incarcerated. I remember when, when I had to pay child support, they had this thing called Friday night sweeps, which means on a Friday night or early Saturday morning really is when they came, you know, between they, they when they when I say they came, when they came to your house to arrest you between two and three AM, the police the police would show up knowing you'd be home chilling on a Friday night after a week's work, watching the games, drinking and relaxing, you know, after a long week of work. And if you were not up to date in your child support payments, you could be caught up in the Friday night sweeps. Now, let me know if you do not think that is stressful to be behind in your child support payments, to not know when and if you are on the list to be swept up on a Friday night. And then that may be the weekend you spend with your child. If you think that ain't stressful, let, let me hear from you. Holler at your boy. Exactly. Crickets. Can you feel me? Can you feel me on the stress, the emotional death, the stress related to that? You have your child for the weekend. You cannot afford to really feed them or entertain them with events outside your house. You're behind on your child support, and you are very concerned with whether or not you will be swept up by the police while you have your child for the weekend. Not only that, when you have your child and you're not paying child support to the other parent who is who is not in the same house with you, then then it is your weekend to have your child or your children and you flat broke. You just flat broke. From an emotional standpoint, you feel like a piece of shit because you cannot do shit. You can't afford shit. You can't go to shit. And then you have been through so much shit. All happening at the same time. I mean, it can be a lot. And a strong mindset is required. Yes, in many cases, you have to put your mind over matter. Because if you put matter over your mind, you might lose your mind in the process. The child support experience is no joke. A friend of that, a friend of mine, told me. He he said, "Let me tell you." He said, "Yo, yo, Bob, let me tell you right now. This was about thirty years ago." He said, "That child support, child support is no joke." Because at the time, I had no children, and he was paying child support. He said, "If you ever have to play child support, don't play with that. Child support is no joke." 
And I'm here today to tell you, child support is no joke. Whether you have drama with the baby mama or not, the drama is just magnified 50 times over when there's baby mom drama and you in family court. Oh, my God. Just know, though, that it will end one day. And some of the crazy court orders that you receive, they can be changed the next time you go to court. Sometimes you get a different judge. You know, things happen. It takes time, but it does happen. Stay true to yourself. And sometimes things happen that might favor you, not from the court, but from the mistakes the other parent makes that may result in the court giving you custody and that would end the fight with you, with your baby mom. Because the main thing about child support is the mother has the child, which means she has the power. And that is the weapon that is used to inflict the financial and emotional death of the father. Whoa. With that said, I'm going to keep it right there. I'm going to stop right there. Now, I usually like to provide resolutions to the issues I discuss, but this is such an emotional, turbulent, financial battle. You probably wouldn't listen to anything I said because it's it's your child or your children are involved, and that is the source of all of the emotion. And you know it ain't nobody, and you know ain't nobody trying to hear nothing when it comes to issues related to their kids. But I can say in my own struggles, I learned, actually I was told by my wife to stop fighting. She said, she said Rob, you need to get out the way and let God handle this for you. Stop fighting. This, you, you're losing. You got the winning hand, but you're losing every time. And so I stopped fighting. And when I stopped fighting and started focusing on myself, I started winning. And I actually, in the end, wound up with my daughter full custody, lock, stock, and barrel, including child support. Okay? So if there, you know, if I could say anything, if you can, stop fighting. That's a losing battle in a place that ain't trying to hear your issues. You you bring a lawyer, you lose with your lawyer because they making friends with the other lawyer. They cutting deals that you didn't agree to. Then they compel you to sign them or threaten to, that you have to go to trial and pay another ten, fifteen, or twenty thousand dollars. If you can, where you can, stop fighting. Get out the way, and like, and let God, you know, do what God do. With that said, I'm going to let you go. And remember, love is an action, not a word. And it is not supposed to hurt. And life is good, even when it ain't. Until the next time we meet, I'll talk to you later. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions 
about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work, finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.